stay there. You know what? I believe that every single person on this planet can make a difference. And I believe that we all have something to offer, something that's so unique that it will change somebody else's life. I believe we all deserve to step into our true selves. And I believe that every single person needs to feel great about themselves. I want you to step into who you truly are and I want you to make a difference for somebody else and for yourself. And I don't think it's that hard. It's a matter of putting one step in front of the other and just taking action. And I'm interviewing guests that have done just that. I'm Karen Vaughan. This is the Get Off The Bench podcast. And here is where you can make that decision to make your life count. It all starts with you saying yes. Hey guys, and welcome back to another week of the Get Off The Bench podcast. I tell you what, mindset is such a big thing. And, you know, often we, often we, I guess, don't realize how easy it is to change or we don't realize that we've got the power to change it. And a lot of us have also heard about NLP and stuff like that. And, you know, we, I guess we just see it as some magical thing, but there are techniques that we can use, you know, to actually change the way we think. And today I'm chatting with an NLP specialist, a mindset coach, author, professional speaker, you know, entrepreneur, hypnotherapist, all that kind of jazz. And he is fantastic. So Kevin Martin, he does all those things. Um, he also adopted three kids. And that was the thing that was the catalyst that led to him learning NLP. But you want to hear this story. And, you know, we all know that well, I guess we all know that fostering kids or adopting kids that have been through the foster system, you know, there's they've got poor little buggers have got so much baggage and it's so bloody unfair. And anyway, Kevin's going to share his story about oh, his son and how it led him to doing the work he does now, which is absolutely fantastic, changing people's lives all around the world. And he's just so keen to help people help themselves. So I reckon you're absolutely going to love this. So welcome, Kevin. Well, thank you, Karen. I am so excited to be here. This is this is wonderful. You and I have talked before. I love talking with you and I'm sure I'm going to enjoy this. But thank you very much. I'm very honored to be here. Oh, well, thank you. It's my pleasure. You just, um, you got such a fascinating not only are you doing great stuff, you know, and you're helping people and just making such a big difference to people, but you've got such a fascinating story, you know, as to how you got there. And as far, you know, and I've loved talking to you too when we when we do speak, other than this, you know, you just got such a big heart and and just so much kindness for people. And I I I don't know. You make me feel warm and fuzzy every time I talk to you. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Karen. Thank you. <laughs> My pleasure. So, you know, in the intro, I mentioned that, you know, you you mentioned about you adopting and fostering kids and, yeah, you know, um, it's it seems that was the catalyst, you know, like to to, to catapult you into this this amazing stuff you're doing at the moment you know with NLP and hypnotherapy and really making a difference with people but tell us tell us about that journey and how that how things were different and then what happened and I just sure. I've I've heard the story before and I love it and I want I want listeners to hear it it's fantastic <laughs> sure, okay um 
my wife and I had been married for 13 years and, and uh, we hadn't had any kids and couldn't have any kids. And so, and uh, my wife will, will tell you that it's, it's my fault. And <laughs> I was doing it when I was younger, I, I, I was doing a lot of riding the mechanical bull you know, it was popular back then <laughs> and I love doing it, but uh, she surmises that's the problem. But whatever the problem is, we couldn't have kids. So we decided to um, to adopt in uh, adoption. You go to an adoption agency and they put your name in and you, you, you could adopt from various places in South America or Asia. And uh, we won't, we're going to go for that route for a little baby. And after two years, we found out that they, the adoption agency had lost all of our paperwork and they were putting us back in a queue, which would be another three to five years. And, and oh. you know, we had already been, you know, 13 years without having a child. And so it, it was almost miraculous for us. It was, a, it was like all of a sudden we're discussing it and we see this poster and it says, why not? think of adopting older children and you're adopting them out of what, what uh, we call social services. So these are children in foster care. And so we say, you yeah, know, why not? Why not? So we, we, we decided to go and we ended up finding ourselves in a 10 week class, which was pretty cool because it was just starting like a, a couple of weeks after we, we checked on it because it's only done a couple of times a year. And before the end of that 10 week class, they had identified a child for us. And we were the first one in the whole class that they that they identified a child for us. And, and uh, he was adorable, he was real cute. And we got to meet him after a, a week or two later. And he was just so, uh, so nice and, and so cute. And so we said, this is it, this is, this is wonderful. Now, during that 10-week class, we learned about all the problems foster children can have. And so they, they warned us about everything you'd run into. Well, you know, when he walked into our house, he had already lived at seven houses. Oh. Was at five and a half years old. And some of those houses did not have good stories. And so he, he came with a, a lot of baggage. And from the, the very first day, I remember it was that afternoon, he started, he started uh, uh, whining and crying and, and screaming. And I said to him, I said, what can I do? How can I help you? He looked up at me and he said, you could never understand. You can't help me. A five and a half year old said that to me. Mm -hmm. And I said, oh my goodness. And so his behavior got harder and harder to handle over the years. And, you know, we had, we finally got him into counseling, whatever counseling you can get for a child of that age. I think it's probably around seven by then. And he got on uh, those ADHD meds, which were the rage at the time because everybody was being diagnosed with ADHD and they were figuring, well, all his behaviors and stuff like that maybe have to do with ADHD, you know, and really kind of ignoring all his background. Uh, but it got worse and we had eventually, uh, you know, adopted a few, a couple other children younger at very younger ages. And um, he became, he became really violent. 
he would take one hour rages in the yard, just throwing around everything he could find. And we just couldn't, we couldn't handle it. It was, was, we didn't know what to do. Uh, So one of, he had a couple of hospitalizations where, you know, that's what you do when you, when the child is out of control, you can't do anything else. You got to do something. So you turn to the hospital and, and they evaluate them and they might give him a new drug or something like that. But they eventually said what he needs to do is he needs to be put in a facility for that for kids with behavioral problems. It has a school, it has psychiatrists, it has uh, therapists, counselors, everything. So we said, yeah, maybe that'll be a good deal. And we really were hoping. One of the things, by the way, that we were told, we were taught, and, and we brought to heart, it says, okay, when you bring a child into your home, when you make that decision, you commit to it. Mm. You commit to it. We, when he, when he walked into our home early on, we said, this is your forever home. You've been in a lot of homes. This one is your forever home. And so we were committed. We weren't, we weren't going to turn around. We weren't going to lose him, but we, we had to have this, this, this break where maybe he could get help. But, he, but we were there all the time. We were there on weekends and we, we spent holidays, everything. Unfortunately, he just became worse and worse and worse. And by the age of 17, he, uh, he, they couldn't handle him anymore. And they said, you know, he's got to go into psychiatric lockdown, which, is, which means really heavy medications. He was already on a ton of medications, but really heavy sedation medications to, to keep him safe and manageable. And so... Along those lines, in those last couple of years that he was there, I said, something else has got to happen. I had learned about this thing called NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming. Uh, one of the businesses I had run was a sales training business, and we were using this stuff called NLP to, for language patterns. And so I did some research on it and said, and it looked like it was phenomenal for clinical stuff too. It, 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 the, what I read about it said it could really do some really incredible stuff. So, you know, I started trying to figure out where I could learn it. I went to all the Tony Robbins stuff. And I don't know if you know who Tony Robbins is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's fam- he's famous over there too, huh? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, I walked on fire. I did, I did a lot of stuff. I changed myself tremendously, but I didn't learn what to do with my son. And so finally, finally, I uh, I said, well, I'm going to have to go get trained. So I started to go get trained. And during that training, I learned that you know I need to really hire somebody. I can't be the one working on my son. And I need to hire someone that's experienced because my son was, his list of diagnoses were pages long. He had every single three and four letter uh, uh, diagnosis I could, you know, I've ever seen, right? Mm. You know, starting off with PTSD, ADHD, OCD, RAD, everything that ended with a D, I don't know why. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, And all sorts of meds. So they said, you know, you need someone experienced. So I hired somebody that was that was trained the way I was being trained. 
And um, she worked with my son uh, in within one week's time with three five-hour sessions. And I got to say, and I'm going to back up a little bit. My son was 17 years old. He was a teenager. And the thing about my son was he was extremely aware of, of the problems he had. He couldn't control them. He did like them, and he really wanted to be normal what he thought was normal. And he wanted his family back. He wanted to come back and live at home. So when he went through the treatment, he, he was all in. He says, I'm going to do whatever I can to get rid of this stuff. Mm. So he, he cooperated 100% fully and, and did all the work with the imagery and everything else. And in three, five hour sessions, it was all gone. It was all gone. Wow. And it was noticeable right away by the staff. They couldn't believe that this is the kid that they've had there for so many years. And that was so troublesome. And all of a sudden he was different. And um, they finally let him go. It, it took three months for them to realize, hey, this is permanent. This, is, this, this isn't just a fake thing with him. Mm. And uh, he no longer needed to be there. And he came home to live with us, finished his high school degree, and um, never had a, a violent uh, moment since then. Uh, never had a hospitalization like you would the psychiatric hospitalizations he was having five times a year. Um, and, and it's been wonderful. Now, mm. that was a few years ago. That was 15 years ago. My son's 32 years old now. And he has a seven-year-old that he is in the process of adopting. <laughs> that also went through a lot, a lot of tumultuous stuff as well. So it's, uh, it's, it's a wonderful circle. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I am so blessed to have, well, I'm so blessed to have my family and my kids, but to have found what I found. The minute I saw the, what I, what I consider a miracle, that's when that's when I made the decision. I want to do this stuff with with other people. I want to help other people like this person help my son. So I went and finished all my training and I hung a shingle and I started doing that. And I've been doing it ever since for the last 15, 15 years, I think. Yeah. Wow. It's um yeah. you know, isn't it amazing though how and you can tell us more about NLP. I want to know about that in a minute. But isn't it amazing how we can we can just wipe people off, you know, and, and say that, you know, you've got this, this, and this, and this, and you belong in this place. And, you know, we're we, we so quick to do that. And I, over here we've got, it's not quite so bad, but just even a few years ago, every kid and their dog was being diagnosed with ADHD and giving medication and, yeah. yeah, and it's and and I I would and no I'm not against medication totally because if there's a need for it there's a need for it but I am yeah. against just just randomly um, well that's an easy fix just give them the medication shut them yeah. up put them in a corner and turn them into zombies and we don't have to deal with them and I, I really hate that and I I just love your persistence because a lot of parents are burnt out and and just 
are so thankful for the peace that the drugs bring, you know, that, that, that they can finally sleep again and that, and that they, they probably know deep down, oh, I don't know if this is right, but I haven't got, I haven't got it within me, you know, to just to keep trying new things. I just love the persistence that you had and the, and the love for this child, you know, that, that you saw, you saw that beautiful, beautiful soul within him that was screaming for help. And I, I just, I love that. And it, and it changed the course of your life. Do you know that? It, it, it certainly, yeah, it certainly did. It wasn't, you know, I tell the story a little quick. It, it, it wasn't without a lot of pain. Yeah. It wasn't without a lot of suffering. There's a lot of suffering yeah. on his part. And there's a lot of stuff that uh, we went through. And um, my wife and I have a deep faith. And, you know, there were times when it, it really strained, strained the marriage. There were times when, you know, I, I might have had a deeper belief that, that there was something out there for him than she did. Uh, but it, she never gave up. She just was you know, more on the fence than I was for a while. And, you know, it, it was, it was tough. I, I, a lot of parents would have, a lot, I think a lot of parents would have given up and said, all right, you, you, we're all set. You take care of them. And, and that's it. Matt, the first year he went into this, this, this facility, this, um, we, um, I can't even remember the name of what we call it here. First year he went in, his psychiatrist said, you know, I, I, I know, I think I know what's going to do him well. So he brought us to a meeting of, of, of the head psychiatrist with the, in, the, in the department for the state. And they, they just landed this bomb on us. You know, there was no pre-talk. They just said, hey, your therapist says, that the best thing for your son is for you to tell your son that he can never come home again. Oh, wow. Because the therapist thought, well, he's trying too hard and it's just blowing up. And we, I told you, we had this commitment that we weren't going to let it go. Now they did say, you know, it doesn't mean you're not, not going to be his parents. He just never can come home and live at home again. And we, that was probably the, the only time we we spent a whole weekend at home crying mm. and it was like it was a big decision um and you know at the time we said well you guys are the ones that know the best you know as far as these conditions go we don't and so we gave in and later on i will tell you that different people what the same institution looked at the wreckage and and apologized to us and they said, I can never understand why we would ever ask a, a family to do this. And we should never have asked you to do this because it didn't work. My son actually got worse. Mm. When we told him he's never coming home, it got worse. And um, so, yeah, it was just a, it was a horrifying thing for us to go to, but it, keeping the faith that there was something there for him something was going to work you know in, in those years I was doing the research I had actually seen firsthand how this stuff can change people that had been dealing with stuff for years and years and years 
So I knew that there was something somehow was going to help my son. Mm. And, uh, and we found it. And we found it. My wife and I looked at this along the way and we said to ourselves, on the other end, we're going to come out of this and we're going to be stronger than ever. Mm. And it's going to help us deal with other problems with me, our other children. And it actually helped us deal with other problems because after we adopted our three children, um, we started doing foster care and we were helping other children too. So it helped us with, with those children as well. Uh, we did come out on the other end, thank God. And, um, and it did make us stronger than ever. And, uh, but it was, it was something I'd not want to wish upon anyone else to go through it. I'd not want to wish upon any other child to have that kind of baggage. Mm. And the unfortunate thing is that it, it's out there. It's, it, it's out there. And there's a lot of kids. We, when we went through foster care, we saw that too much. Now, I, I have worked with children, but I don't specialize in children. Uh, but there are so many children suffering out there from one thing or another. It doesn't even have to be full-blown, you know, abuse the way we know it, you know, physical abuse or sexual abuse. It, it can be something more minor or something uncontrolled. Because mm -hmm. I found it doesn't happen with all adopted children because I have three of them. Um, but I found that it's, it's more common with adopted children. It doesn't matter what age they get adopted. But when they leave, when they leave the comfort and the warmth of the, and the love of the, the person that, you know, gave them birth and they go to another person, even though they're, they're at an age they can't comprehend, what they do feel is they do feel this detachment, mm. right? And then another attachment. Now, that stays with them for a lifetime. Yeah. And um, so at some point, uh, for some children, um, it... It, it starts causing problems. So I've worked with several adoptees and, uh, and you know, the adoptions were, were very, very young age, you know, and there were no problems in the family and growing up and all of a sudden out of the blue behavioral problems start. And it's because it's, there's something there that is just, you know, uh, like a little void in their subconscious mind. Mm. And it just brings it up later. And it's so sad. It's, it's so sad to see our, our kids like this. Now, I can't speak for older generations. I didn't grow up in the 30s, 40s, 50s. But it seems to me that problems with children seem to be getting more uh, I don't want to say worse, but more of them coming up. Mm. Now, I, I don't know why I believe there's been a ton of studies and, and all sorts of theories, you know, whether it's environmental or what, but seeing children suffer is, is something that really touches my heart. And, uh, you know, with the, the, the emotional pain that nobody else can understand. Yeah. And that's, and when nobody else can understand, that means nobody else 
has any, any idea how to help them. Yeah. And they go to what we were just talking about. They go to drugs. Do drugs help? I don't, I don't know. Uh, like you, I'm not anti-drug. There are some people that cannot survive in this world without medication. I'm not just a physical medication that they need, but even some people with mental health disorders, they wouldn't be able to survive without certain medications. So I thank God that they're there. Yep. But, you know, if having that as the, as the end all is what, what, you know, I don't like because there are ways for some people there are other ways to get rid of the problem, not manage it, but get rid of it. And my son was the example. Now, I like to say that since then, I've had many, many, many successes with, with um, a lot of people, young and old. Hmm. Yeah, I work mostly with adults, but I've worked with teens and I've worked with, I've worked with young children as young as eight nine years old and I have so much fun with them. Uh, they're, they're so beautiful because they, they haven't had a, a lot of the stuff put on their imagination to, to really squash their imagination, right? You know, as we're growing up, we get faced with what others will say, this is the reality, right? This, this is the hard truth that you gotta deal with. And it just squashes us down and it, it squashes our imagination. And basically we're, we're being told that, yeah, this is the way it is and there's no other way. And so why even bother thinking or dreaming or anything? Kids aren't that way. Kids, kids are like our, our subconscious mind. And they'll, they have that ability to think way outside the box. Mm-hmm. And, and it's so much fun to help them because that's, that's where I, I go with kids like that. Um, it's all story and imagination and and just fun. Yeah. And yeah, and that's that. Those are well. I enjoy all my work, but that's where the real fun is. The adults. What I really enjoy is when they walk in my door. Uh, someone who's in a lot of emotional pain, and walk out of my door several sessions later with a smile on their face and a lot of hope because oh. they, that is my reward. Yeah. That is my reward. I, I just love that when that happens. And I'm, I'm blessed to have been taught uh, and continually learn some things that are really powerful. And I have an intuition that I've, that's come along with me over the years and so I can usually identify which way I want to go. And I'm also very careful. Um, you might say, okay, yeah, you, you got a guided imagery or you're doing this and that. What's there to be careful with? The mind is. Yeah. When I say something like, um, if you keep on thinking this, thinking about, what you want and you think about it and you think about how good it's going to be and how wonderful it's going to feel what you're going to feel like when you're there and and how it's going to impact you and everybody around you and i get this and you can get this great vision and i say okay you're eventually going to bring this to yourself and it's very and it's very possible to do that 
that's a great thing. But the mind works. If mind doesn't care whether it's something you want or you don't want, hmm. right? It doesn't know the difference because if it's something you don't want and you continue thinking about it and you think about how painful it's going to be if it were to happen and this and that, it's going to bring it to you too. The mind's amazing. It can do wonderful things, but it can do terrible things. Hmm. All right. It, it's pretty neutral. It doesn't see it as good as bad. It sees it as this is what needs to happen. Mm. And so I, I I get amazed in 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 I love it I love the way it works, but the way it works is also the cause of a lot of the pain, the cause of a lot of the things that go on. So I am blessed to actually have that have that understanding at that level. So when someone does come in to me, and you know I I have a lot of empathy. Uh, I'm not an empath, fortunately. Do you know what an empath is? Well, it's not an empathetic person. <laughs> um, let's put it this way. It's a super empathetic person. Yeah. I'll give you I'll give you an example. My wife is an empath. We went to we were trying out this energy thing that is really a, a form of uh, acupuncture, but it's acupuncture energetically. And this person who was doing it is really famous and he's had so many people get cured of, of terminal cancer and everything. So we, wa- we went to a session and there had to be 100, 100 people in the room. It was on the second floor and we walked up and we were a little late. So it was already going on. We walked up the stairs, opened the door and you had to take a right and go down the hall to where the, the big room was. The second we opened the door, I could feel the energy. Wow. And I thought it was great. Mm-hmm. The second we opened the door, my wife could feel the pain of everyone that was in that room. Wow. Wow. We went and sat there. And as we're sitting there, and I was bringing her there because she's got some physical issues. And as we're sitting there, she's getting weaker and weaker. And it's, it's like, oh, my God. It, but that's an empath. So, so if she's with somebody who's feeling emotional pain, she'll feel it at a, at a really high level. I couldn't do the work I do if I were, if I, if I had that like she does, because uh, I work with a lot of people in a lot of pain. Yeah. And uh, I have empathy for them. I feel for them, but I don't feel the pain right mm. when i was taught to do the work i do that was one of the dangers they said you know you, you really have to watch yourself because if you're working with person after person after person you can take on some of that depression some of that emotional pain some of that panic whatever it is and um uh, i the fortunate thing for me is i do feel the empathy for them a lot of the times i work with someone and i'll say to myself after they leave, I say, no one should have to feel the way they feel. And that's what drives me. Yeah. So that's so what, what is NLP? Like, explain how it works. And, you know, because, sure. it's, because what you're saying is just, it's just fabulous, you know, that, that, that people can have such amazing outcomes, to, you know. And 
It is. And also what I'm saying, I don't know if you picked this up at all. I am really passionate about what I do. Yeah. And um, sometimes that passion comes out I'm much too much with people. And, and <laughs> I'll tell them all these stories that I'm fascinated with. And, and, and it comes out so unbelievable. It comes out so unbelievable that, you know, it turns people off and they, and they, they don't believe it. They say, oh, I'm full of BS. So I, <laughs> I have to, um, I, I have to hold back my passion a little, uh, in, but it is. And neuro-linguistic programming, it's a, I don't even know whether people would call this a, a psychological science or whatever, but what it was started out to be is, is, is a study uh, of, of excellence. So these two guys, Richard Bandler and John Grinder, they, they got together and uh, one was a, an undergraduate and the other was a professor. And um, they got together and they said, well, we should be able to do this kind of stuff. Well, we'll if someone's really good at what they do, it should be able to be broken down and to be able to talk to others so they can be just as good. Yeah. So they called it the study of excellence. And it was really a, a set of modeling. But the three people they started modeling with were Virginia Satir. And she was a top family therapist in the country at the time. Um, she, someone could come in and just start telling them the problem. And she, she'd uh, ask them questions about it. And within that short period of time, sometimes they'd get over their problem. <laughs> she wow. Was, um, <laughs> or she challenged them is what she actually did. But, uh, and then um, Fritz Pearls, who is the father of uh, Gestalt therapy, I believe. Um, I believe, I think it's what it is. And then Milton Erickson, who was the top uh, hypnotherapist. He was a psychiatrist, but he was also the top hypnotherapist in the country at the time, even in the world. And so what they did is they, they said, we want to know how people can be as good as what you do um as you are and you know when someone's really good they don't always know yeah what what makes them good so these guys said okay we get we don't want to just interview you we don't want you to tell us what you do we want to watch you and we want to ask you things as you're doing them like what's in your mind what are you picturing what are you feeling what do you believe so it's all so it was really at a a, a much deeper level but what they found out is not only how to model what each of them did, but in the, the, during this, they found out all sorts of little techniques to, and strategies to make changes that were phenomenal. Mm. Like, uh, do you, did you know that you could change, you can get rid of a belief, you can get rid of a, um, a limiting belief within minutes, mm. right? Yeah. And actually acquire a new belief within minutes. And, you know, that's that's kind of an amazing thing. So it's neuro-linguistic programming. Neuro means your nervous system, your neurology, right? And it's all about uh, a lot about the atomic, the atomic, yes, the autonom autonomic nervous system, which is the, the automatic stuff that we do, right? The stuff we don't really think about. Right. That part of the nervous system is where your subconscious 
mind is 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 so that so the you know, autonomic nervous system is really a lot about the subconscious as well because the subconscious controls that so then linguistic is language and as it turned out john grinder was a linguist which means made some of the earlier books on nlp really hard to understand because I opened one of them and I had to have a dictionary with next to me to be able to read it. <laughs> but, but it wasn't just about the words we use when communicating externally. It's also about the internal language. Yep. Uh, words are symbols and everything else. And then programming is how, how we are programmed. So we're programmed for everything. Mm. We're programmed the, the way in which we approach something, the way in which we do things, the way in which we motivate ourselves, the way in which we make decisions. That's all programming in some sort, some way. And so the programming is discover how the programming is. And if you want to make change, you discover how we're programmed and then you change the program. Mm. And so that's neuro-linguistic programming. So it's rather, rather unique, rather interesting. Mm. So let me give you an example, okay? Can you think of something that, something that bothers you? Yep. All right. So- So get a which one? Get a, which one? <laughs> <hit> one. <laughs> yep, I got one. All right. All right. Get an image in your mind. <laughs> in your mind. Okay. So in this image of your mind, do you see it yourself or are you looking through your own eyes? I'm do you looking see yourself. Okay. So you're looking through your own eyes. All right. In this image in your mind, is it Whatever you're looking at, is it directly in front of you or is it a little to the left, a little to the right, up, down? Yeah, a little to my left. A little to your left. Okay, so it's a little to your left and you're looking through your own eyes. We call that associated. And is it black and white or color? Color. It's color. Is it moving or still? Moving. Moving. Okay. And is it? really close it's a little to your left but is it really close or is it far away or it's about a couple of feet away from me a couple of feet away all right and is it um is it larger than life is it smaller or does it look like actual looks like actual actual okay Okay, so this is how you program when you think of what you're thinking about, right? And, and when you think about what you're thinking about, how does it feel? <laughs> I want to punch him in the face. <laughs> okay, all right. So, <laughs> so let, let's go back to this picture of yep. him. And you said it was in color. Make it yep. black and white. Make it black and white. Yep. Make it okay. Yep. Yep. Okay. And make he's about two feet away. Yep. All right. Make him about 12 feet away. Yep. Okay. Yep. All right. 
So now when you're thinking, now when you have this picture and you're thinking about him, how, how does it feel differently now? Uh, it doesn't bother me as much. Yep, doesn't it doesn't bother, bother me. We just made little changes. Yep. So I'd go on and I'd make more and more changes to this. And all of a sudden it wouldn't, would you like it not to bother you at all? <laughs> yes, because it happens every day. <laughs> 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 this is so what we're dealing with is a way you're, you're programmed to to think about him in whatever way it was when it came up is is the worst case which is or, or it's the case which gets you that feeling of punching him in the face so yeah. well sometimes so go, it's, sometimes it's not a him it's it, it's oh yeah do you want me to tell do you want me to tell you what it is or will that ruin it uh actually it won't ruin it but let me give you a secret I work with many people where I didn't know what their problem was and it went away. I helped them get rid of it. I don't have to know. But if you want to tell me so you, the, the listening audience will also get it, go right ahead. Go right ahead. I'll be happy to hear this. I can't freaking stand listening to people eating. <laughs> I cannot stand listening to mouth noises. It it does my head in. As soon as, soon as, and they can be like two feet away. And as soon as I catch one little noise coming from their mouth, you know, with like, like that, oh. my, I hone in and I can't hear anything else other than that, other than that person eating. And it drives me. So, yes, I'd love to get rid of it because it's around me all the friggin' time. <laughs> there is a name for that, by the way. I can't remember. Miss something uh, I can't remember. It's called but misophonia. Misophonia. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And um. And it's so, real. Uh, by the way, I I had that and it had to do with running water. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I couldn't. I couldn't see. Pour. Not running water. Pouring. Someone pouring something. Oh yeah. And, yeah. and I couldn't stand it. So yeah. um. So in, in this in this instance, you know we. It may be a little bit more work, but let's let's tone this down a little. So let's go back to the picture. Yep. Okay. So it's black and white, and the person's 12 feet away. Yep. Okay. Yep. Let's put you in the picture looking at this person. Let's put so you're seeing yourself right up front looking at the person 12 feet away. And it's black and white. Yep. How does it feel now? <laughs> it's fucking, it feels worse because I'm looking at it. But but actually, actually, no, no, that's maybe not true because I'm looking at them eating with the mouth open, and but I'm seeing other things in my periphery vision. So they mm. only become what they're doing becomes only a part of the picture whereas mm -hmm. before when they're off to my side and I can hear it they completely completely hijack my mind to completely hijack it mm -hmm. so it's only a small hijacking when when I'm looking it's only at a small hack, hijacking okay now <laughs> let's make them 20 feet away even further almost twice, twice as far as where they are now yeah all right black and white you're in there and you're so you're seeing yourself and how does it feel now yeah that's better because now i can now i'm focusing on other things that are closer to beautiful. me. beautiful 
Beautiful. Yeah. Tell you, I want you to tell yourself to, and in your head, tell yourself to lock this in. At the same time, make hear the sound of a big padlock clicking in, yeah. locking it securely. Okay. Yeah. So, so what we did, and this isn't going to be the total solution to your problem, but what we did is just play a little with the, the programming of how you saw this. And it only took a minute. Yeah. And yeah. just in that minute, all of a sudden you realized what you could before easily bring up and easily frustrate you to want to punch them <laughs> is, is now is now a lot easier on you. At least as you're thinking of it. When you're when you're dealing with it in person, it may be a little less as well. Yeah. So but the, the but that's just an example of, of just one of the many types of techniques where we where we work with the way the mind sees something and interprets something. And it's so wonderful to, to have uh, what I think is probably the best handbook on the, the, the mind that I've ever seen, which, you know, because so many of this stuff works that quickly. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I go from a, a point of looking for root cause. And by the way, for my son, that's what it was done with, looking for the root cause of the problems. So much of medicine today is all about maintenance. It's all about taking care of yeah. symptoms, not taking care of cause. Yeah. And um, even, you know, traditional therapy does try to look for cause, but it goes the roundabout way. Let's, let's, let's keep on asking you as many questions as we can to, to hope in hopes that something's going to come out that's going to going to identify something mm. you see the, the when you're working with the subconscious and the subconscious actually knows what the problem is mm. you know so it's a matter of being able to work there and help identify that now subconscious is not the easiest thing uh, some of my peers don't like to call the subconscious as, uh, like a childlike, you know, I like to talk about it as a five-year-old because he, when we have a problem, when we have a habit that we don't like, or we have a problem that we, we can't control, we can try telling ourselves that we don't have the problem till we're blue in the face. Mm. It doesn't work. If you're working with a five-year-old and you're giving them instructions to do something, you can tell you them till you're blue in the face sometimes <laughs> they're not going to get it right so in, in that manner uh it's it's in that manner in a lot of manners it's like a, a young child and so um getting to the root cause it knows what the root cause is but sometimes it it's hard to get direct answers from it so you have to know how to interact how to build rapport and how to interact with the subconscious mind and how the subconscious mind will act. And um, I've learned that with, you know, by doing this over the years, there was no one big manual that, that said, hey, the subconscious mind is gonna act, act this way or that way. NLP does have a lot of that, but I've also learned so much just by observing. And it, and it's, and it, and it fascinates me to this day. I. The cool thing about what I do is, you know, when you do something and you get awe and you get awed, you're in awe, 
And that's almost every time I work with a client. And it's just like, this is wild how the mind works. And I'm just so in awe. And I'll take advantage of it to help them. But it's just seeing it every time is just so cool. And maybe that's what why I'm a little different than than maybe some other people because I am in awe. I have the passion comes from my son. And you know, it, it put my family together, saved my son's life. And um, but I don't take it for granted. I I I know that the mind's a powerful thing and how it works and when I can figure out how to solve problems for my clients, that's when I just like, wow, it's not me. It's, you know, I'm helping, I'm guiding, and they actually doing the work, but it, it's the subconscious mind that actually is what is, is the secret to it all. And it's just, it, it's so cool. It is just so wonderful to be able to do this stuff. So how can we, you know, we you're also a mindset coach, you know, and we talk, we hear a lot about mindset, you know, mindset this and mindset that. And I, and it's it's hard to and you you wait, you're right. Mindset, what is mindset? You know, yeah. and everybody seems to seems to use the word. Yeah. Um, my yeah. business partner, Lisa Sherman, went, who was a guest with you. Yeah, yeah. Um, where we decided to call ourselves mindset coaches. And we realized that, you know, what we do really has to do with the mindset. So uh, my definition of mindset is what attitude and beliefs that you have in the moment that are affecting your behavior, uh, affecting you, what you, your results you're going to get. Yeah. Right. Yep. So mindset can change and mindset sometimes has to change from moment to moment, depending on what you're dealing with. Mm. Okay. Um, but you'll hear a lot of people say, yeah, I got a winner's mindset. I got to get this kind of mindset or that kind of mindset. And since it's beliefs and in, in and since it's attitude and beliefs, you know, your attitude has to be a certain attitude for you to, to handle making serious decisions, you know, if you're running a business, right? Um, making um to be able to deal with your kids when they have problems or your spouse when they have problems, um, to be able to actually enjoy yourself to the fullest when it's time to take the breaks. That's all mindset. So you have to have that attitude. So it's, it's not about what so much about what the mindset is. It's so much about how to be able to, how to be able to control and, and move yourself from one attitude to another. Mm. And a lot of that has to do with beliefs. Yeah. And we all have a set of beliefs. And sometimes some of us have beliefs that oppose others. And you, you figure out, okay, who's right? I, I've got this belief. I've got this. You're both right to yourself. The beliefs to your subconscious mind says, okay, this is, this is true. You and the other person who have opposing beliefs believe that it's true. By the way, if you both believe something that's true, that is opposite of each other, you both have different perspectives of the world. You both have different realities. And we all have different realities. And we all have different realities because of our, our belief systems are not all the same. They're all just a little different, if not widely different from other people. Mm. Um, my thing is 
the way the problem comes in is believing that your belief system is what everybody else should have and the way you think is what everybody else is thinking. When we think that, that's where the problems start. Mm. But back to the back to the mindset is okay. I will tell you, if you wanted me to feel elated right now, I have the ability to do that without you actually helping me. If you wanted me to feel depressed right now, I have the ability. I I can make my fellow self feel depressed like that. You know, because physiology um, and the mind interact with each other. So you're, you're, if I, I could take the physiology of someone who's depressed and start feeling depressed in a moment. Yeah. Right. So yeah. I have the ability to change my states, which change my attitude, which change my mindset. And not everybody knows how to do that. And you know what the cool thing is? I call it cool thing. It's, it's, it's a little bit of a sad thing, too is even though I have that ability, when I get in a state that's not resourceful, when I get uh, sad or I get fearful or I, you know, even angry, I, I can become, and I do become aware of the fact that I can change it. Mm. And sometimes I decide not to. And a lot of us like that. And someone put it really well to me one time. They said, okay, if I'm depressed and I know I can get out of the state, but I want to stay there. Sometimes I want to have a pity party for myself. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I will tell you though, I will tell you, I won't stay in any of those states for longer than a, longer than a few minutes. But sometimes I'll stay in those states and and you can say shame on me because I'm the one who knows how to get out of those states. Not everybody, 98% of the world uh, doesn't know that they have a choice. Mm. Did, you have, did you ever watch The Matrix? No. You I'm know, not into that. <laughs> no. I, okay, but you've heard of the movie. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So there's a part of the, the movie has this alternate reality, whereas... Okay, we're all living this dream, but somewhere we physically are plugged into a big battery and we're generating battery. Okay, so there's a way to get it. The matrix is this dream we're living in. And so some people can be pulled out of the dream and get the reality, but then they're given a choice. You say, okay, you can take a red pill or a blue pill. One of these pills will put you back in to your dream and you'll never know the difference and you can keep on living. You'll be ignorant of what's going on. The other one will allow you to keep this dual reality and know that this is the really world, real world. So in a sense, I've got that pill that says, I know I have choices. Mm-hmm. So I know that nobody, I, I I know that if anybody makes me feel some way or another, if someone puts me down to make me feel bad or, or gets angry or, or berates me, I know that if I start to feel bad, it's my choice. Yep. And I, because I know how to get out of it. There's, most of the people don't. So that's, a, that's the thing about having that mindset. I can create a mindset where 
I have the attitude and beliefs that have the correct motivation and, and correct beliefs that to, to handle what I'm doing in the moment, mm-hmm. whatever it is. And at least that's how I approach mindset. Other people approach mindset diff- mindsets differently, but there is. There is a mindset for every every moment because you say, I got a winning mindset. Well, what's a winning mindset going to do when I have to go uh, console my sister-in-law because my brother passed away? Mm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, champ. That's silly. <laughs> so there's, there's no one mindset that's going to work for it for for everything we have the mindset is whatever it's going to be in the moment and i think the real key to mindset is knowing that you know you have to have the right the right attitude for whatever situation you're in and being able to bring that attitude in so having the awareness first that you know you need a specific type of attitude and the ability to bring it in so that's 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 pretty cool now, is there, a, is there a tip or a technique that you could share, you know, that would help people to be able to, not, not magically because everything takes work, you know, but is there something that um, you could share that would help people to even become aware, you know, that, that when they're in, that, in, in a particular unhelpful state that they can say to themselves or do that would make them become aware that they're in that state and that yeah. they do, do have so a choice? The awareness comes with practice and time, yeah. but becoming aware, going, becoming aware, going in the state, okay, what is happening when I'm feeling this way? So usually it's, okay, it's, it's just the thoughts that come in and they're not aware of what's going on in their body when they're feeling this way. Yeah. So where in your body are you feeling this? Where in your body are you feeling this? Or what does it feel like? Does it feel like a small ball? Does it feel huge? And what else is going on in your body at that moment? So once you, once you go through those exercises several times, when you get into that, that state, you'll say, wow, I'm, I'm feeling this in my body here. And it feels like this. So this is, this is showing me that, yes, I, I am in that state of anger, depression, whatever it is, right? But the awareness that your body is like that all of a sudden says, well, what if, what if uh, I wasn't feeling this down here? What can I do to not feel this down here? Maybe I stand up. Maybe I straighten up. Maybe I do this. Maybe I do that. And I get out of those states. Yeah. There are a lot of techniques we have called anchors yeah. that, uh, that are like, for instance, a lot of the anchoring can be done on knuckles or be done like this, yeah. whatever. Uh, I can go into an elated state with an anchor that I created 20 years ago, and which, which is a, an anchor kind of like this for me. And I say a word and it brings me back into that state. I can do that. So that's, that's the kind of things that we do. But awareness, awareness comes with being much more aware of the, of the, the thoughts that come in with, a, say, a depressed state. Because that's where where we usually go as a as I thought is okay. Where is it in my body that that's there, and what is it in that part of the body? What does it feel like? Is it is it moving? Is it is it heavy? Is it light? Is it does it seem like it's it, what color would it be? So we get all these things about how. By the way, that's programming again. How we're programmed in this state, 
And once once we 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 take time to be aware of that, the next time it comes in, we'll be more aware of that. And every single time after, until we until we say instantly, oh, I'm feeling this pain. That means this is coming on. I got to do something. Yep. Yep. I love it. And I use anchoring and I use I don't anymore, but I used to use it for going on on stage or for talking or for anything like that. And with that's just like that. And now never use it, ever, ever use it because I automatically just kick straight into what I what right. I want to do. So you built that you you built that um muscle. habit in, yeah. in the, in muscle muscle yeah. memory takes it right in. Yeah. Now yeah. I do uh, do you have you ever heard of uh, emotional freedom technique, otherwise known as tapping? Yeah, yeah, I have. Yeah, there was a there was an advanced version of that where tapping you'd be tapping here, 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 all over the place. You do it in your mind. Yeah, and because of the muscle memory of of having done it in those places that you did it, it has the exact same effect doing it in your mind as opposed to actually physically doing it. So. Wow. Yeah, it's a, that's just another way. It's amazing the way that the body and the mind work. It's just, it just fascinates me every time I think about it. Me, me and me too. I, I think our, we're just, we're incredible machines. We just are like biologically yeah, yeah. and my body, mind and soul and spirit. You know, the whole thing is just um fascinating anyway we're running out of time but this is just bloody awesome so your book um living your dream and living your dream life simply by changing your perceptions is an audio book so um well actually my my book is a um both a paperback in a in a kindle book on on amazon okay yeah yeah um if people reach out to me and want the audio i created the audio myself yeah. It's not on Audible or audiobooks or anything like that. I use it for uh, for my clients and stuff like that. Yeah. But if anyone wants to reach out with me and have a chat, I'd be glad to actually give them access to the audiobook as well if they if they prefer listening to it. Yeah. Oh, um, that's fantastic. But yeah, um, this, I say simply by changing your perceptions. My first book was called Perceive This. Um, and it was all on perceptions and I, 2005, I think is when I wrote that first book and the second book is a rewrite actually, but I haven't changed my mind. The way we perceive the world is our world. Yep. Yep. However, the way we perceive the world is based on our experiences and our beliefs and our values. And we can't change our experiences, but we can change the way experiences, what experiences mean to us. Mm. We can change our beliefs and we believe it or not, we can change our values. Yeah. So when we change those, we can change how we see the world, how we perceive the world and our world really changes. Wow. Yeah, I love it. This stuff is fascinating. This is fascinating. I could talk for hours. Oh, we do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we do. I, I, I can have... I can have your audience sleeping very well if I start talking anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. Look, I tell you what, I'm thinking, I'm thinking particularly of about four listeners I know that would would just be super glued to this, but it's just fantastic. Anyway, I bet I'm gonna <laughs> pull it up, but geez, I love this and I really hope people go check out. But my get off the bench question for you: a lot of people feel stuck, which is preventing them from getting off the bench and doing 
actually probably doing anything, um, where would you suggest they start to get some movement? Well, um, they get stuck because they lack motivation, right? Right? They just can't get themselves moving. By the way, we we also refer to that as procrastination. Yep. And procrastination comes in not because everybody says lazy. It's not laziness at all. Yeah. It's a lot of times self-sabotage. Yep. Sometimes yep. fear of failure, sometimes fear of success. Yeah, those are the key things. So what I would say where they start is try to evaluate what it is about about what they're going, what they want to do that they can't do, what it is that's stopping them or what it is that they really want to do. They can look at both sides and they can look at the stick or the carrot. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Um, And then. Here's, here's the thing. I usually, I usually ask a couple of questions. What's going to happen to me if I do get this done? Yeah. And what's going to happen to me if I don't get this done? All right. Yeah. Those are two yeah. questions. I, I'll, I'll have them then ask what's not going to happen to me if I get this done and what's not going to happen to me if I don't get this done. Yeah. But those first two questions are going to see, and sometimes people answer, well, you know, if I get this done, yeah, this will happen, but it's not a big deal. Then I said, then write this off your list. Don't do it because it's not worth doing. And maybe that's why you're not doing it because deep down you're seeing it's not worth it. Mm. Right? But if they say, well, if they don't get this done, this, this, and this is going to happen. It's not going to be good. Usually that realization, yeah, that realization pushes them yeah. because pain is a much bigger motivator than pleasure right we don't want to always be motivated by pain but sometimes just a little fire under your seat will at least get you off that seat (laughs) (laughs) well that's what we have to do make make more wooden benches to get people off the bench make more wooden benches set fire to the bloody things and then (laughs) yeah and then they get going (laughs) i love it I love it. Uh, well, Kevin, I have absolutely, absolutely thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. And I could, this is stuff just, uh, it, it's bloody marvellous. It's it's fantastic. I don't know why I've suddenly got an itchy nose. I think it's because my cat under the desk start, but he's start scratching herself while you were talking in the last one. Anyway, or it could be, or it could be a neurological thing. Anyway. Where can where, where can people find you? <laughs> okay, um, our our company is um, Peak Performance Mindset Coaching. Yep. And they, the website is believe it or not, peakperformancemindsetcoaching.com. My email address is Kevin at Peak Performance Mindset Coaching. <laughs> just as just all those four words put together dot com uh, so yes you you can find me there easily yeah uh, and if someone connects with me um i do a uh, i do a facebook live and and a linkedin live every tuesday morning at nine o'clock eastern time not sure what time that is australian time but i always have these little tidbits and and it's free to listen and i have fun and i interact with the the audience through the chats if they're in there and so yeah 
if uh, once they connect with me, I'll show them how to connect with me on Facebook so they can they can look there as well. I'd be happy to to converse with anyone to, that has any questions about what I've said. And if they're interested in NLP, they may never get off the phone with me. I can tell them everything about NLP. <laughs> <laughs> but no, um, reach out to me, ask me any questions. And if we want to get out, if you want to get on Zoom with me, I'd be happy to. I, I, I've been talking to people all over the world on Zoom and I just love it. Yeah, I love, I love meeting new people, especially people that are like-minded, that like this stuff or have the belief that whatever this stuff is can help them. Yeah. Uh, I'd, be, I'd be happy to get on. Yeah, you know, oh, that's yeah. fantastic. Well, well, you won't disappoint. You don't disappoint. I love chatting with you. And it's just, uh, you know, you've brought so much value, so many gold nuggets. And I, I, I just, I can't, I can't wait for people to connect with you. And they can connect with you through um, LinkedIn at Kevin A. Martin. But of course, as I always say in every show, I'm going to put all these um, uh, uh, links in the show notes so people can connect. But Kevin, I want to just thank you so much for sharing your wisdom, sharing your kindness you know sharing your love for humanity and and you know sharing the pain as well you know that you went through with your son and because I think that the backstory really connects us to the person that we're talking to you know and you 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 just your love for making things better just just matters so much so I so appreciate it thank you very much and thank you for having me here to to give me a platform to be able to share that one of the things uh, my mission and my purpose is to help as many people to help themselves because I believe what I do is actually I, I'm a guide. I it's really them, and I teach them how to help themselves once they leave me. Yeah. So this is a beautiful platform, and I and if I helped anybody in this in this short time, this is perfect for what I what I hope to do. So yeah. thank you and. Thank you very much for having me on here, Karen. I had a blast with you as well. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! <laughs> I love it. All right. Well, thank you very much. And I look forward to our next chat because you're just you're just a bloody superhuman and you're just a, a wonderful asset to the planet. So thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks, Karen. Okay. Oh. <laughs> See ya. That was, that was fun. See ya. <laughs> oh, guys, I hope you love that. That my brain just loves that kind of stuff. And now I'm now I know how to put when people are eating with their mouth open, I know how to put them in black and white and shove them over in the corner so I don't have to feel like punching them. But uh, I, I absolutely love that conversation. I, I'm fascinated by all that sort of stuff. So I hope that bringing Kevin to you, you know, I opened up some thoughts about how how we can reprogram our mind and how we can think differently and how we can challenge our beliefs and and our attitudes and and how we can sort of bring a lot more awareness to how we're feeling and what we're thinking and 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 I guess practice over time and change that and just to know that we've got a choice and we have got power 
over what we think and we have got power over our own lives. So I really hope, really hope you got something out of that. Please go and connect with Kevin. Please go and find out about um, getting his audio book or buy his book or um, connect with him on LinkedIn, whatever. All these things are in the show notes, all the links, but, you know, you might like to join him with Coffee with Kevin um, Facebook on Facebook Live. So anyway, really hope you've loved that and uh, please please go follow him and connect with him. So anyway, thank you so much for joining me again for another week and I'll leave it there and I'll see you next week. See ya. Thanks for joining me. As always, I hope this episode inspired you. If you know somebody who's taken courageous action to create something that's making a difference for other people, let me know about it. Go to my website, karenvaughan.com, tinker around there, have a bit of a look and send me a message. I can't wait to hear from you. And remember, you're worth it. Your unique talents and gifts need to be out in this world. And I'm so passionate about inspiring you to achieve that. So you've listened to this episode. Just say yes, make the decision and put one foot in front of the other. See you next week.